First Peter chapter three. I'm going to read the first six verses of 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and a wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah bade Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, <clears throat> and are not afraid with any amazement. The title of the message this morning is A, a Wife's or might say a mother's winning conversation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word. Thank you for this special day set aside to honor mothers. And I pray your blessing upon each mother that's here and those who would be. I pray, Father, that you would encourage their hearts and, and, and uh, just strengthen them in a special way. And I pray that all of us, you would just challenge us from your word, help us to be open and receptive to what you'd have for us, and may you be glorified. And I pray that you'd help me to eyes preach. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we, we live in a world, of course, that's lost its bearings. Uh, we're losing it. the foundations of our society are being being eroded away piece by piece, bit by bit. The latest thing I've seen about, you know, uh, from the woke culture is that you don't call them mothers. Now you call them birthing person. You know what that sounds like to me? That all women are good for is having babies. There's a lot more to being a mother than just having a child. There's training, teaching. Yeah, that's the woke culture. Birthing person, you can't call it mother anymore. Uh, you know, feminism has ruined many a woman and is ruining men. Feminists are raising feminine men. They aren't men, they're, they're what the Bible calls effeminate. Uh, we're trying, you know, we're trying to make the the, the genders equal in every way, uh, you know, and so, you know, that's, that's feminism. And so we feminize the boys and we masculinize the girls and we no longer have men and we no longer have women. And, of course, the, 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 the end game of this whole thing now is the... the uh, uh, transgenders, boys, transgender girls, whatever they are. You know, the males that are biologically male competing in girls' sports are, are you know, winning every contest. And so now the feminists are upset about that. But, but you know, that's the end game of this. No, they're not created the same. They, they're, they're equal before God. We are equal before God, but we are not identical. We're not equal. Uh, man, and I'm not getting into all that this morning. You, you understand all that. But anyway... 
but the Bible, you know, in, in, in biblical times, the honor of a woman was kind of non-existent. They were treated often as slaves. They were uh, second rate. And, you know, some, some believe today that, you know, would call the Bible or Paul a male chauvinist uh, or the writers of Scripture, you know, male chauvinists and say that it degrades women, but the Bible elevates women and mothers. And, and you know, the Bible gives us, you know, godly instructions, instruction as to the proper role of a wife and mother and we see that throughout Scripture. We see that here this morning in First Peter chapter three. I want to look at several things. You know, the, the theme of this this context is subjection, and we're not just talking about subjection of wives, because you know this it starts out in this passage with the word likewise. That means that, that well, we ought to consider what was before us, and what's before us is we're to be we're to be subject to the higher powers. Uh, verse 13, sub- submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king, supreme, governors, unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them to do well. By the way, when you reject the authority of home, you're going to reject the authority of society, and that's why we are seeing the breakdown of our society today. They have no respect for authority. They have no respect for police. Police are open game because they've not been taught to respect their mother and father at home. And that's where the breakdown has come from. And of course, he gives us an example of Christ in verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ all suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And of course, he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So likewise, and then it talks about in verse 7, likewise ye husbands. And so that's, of course, for another week. But so the morning one, we look at the wives and mothers. And so the key that unlocks the door to the power of God in this passage is a sanctified life, a life of obedience, a life willing to separate from the world. Verse 2 says, while they hold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And, and so we are to be in submission to those over us, uh, whether it be Christ or wives to husbands, uh, have that kind of attitude. So the key of subjection or submission and uh, to understand this is our primary subjection is to the Lord. And this goes to man or woman, father or mother. If we're not in subjection to those the Lord has placed over us in the home, we are not in subjection to the Lord. Authority is hierarchical. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse uh, 3, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, the Bible says there, But I would have you know that every head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and every head of, and the head of Christ is God. So we see here that authority is hierarchical, uh, and, and we need to obey those and be in subjection to those that are over us. Uh, and, 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 of course, uh, that this is the key, and, and submission is... Is a and is most importantly a an attitude, a right kind of a spirit, right kind of spirit. If you notice here in verse uh, verse uh, four, it says, "But let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is uh, corruptible, not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price." So that's more of an attitude 
uh, submission that bears itself out in its actions as well. So that is the key uh, of, of a winning conversation. Secondly, I notice that we notice here that the wife is to be in subjection to her own husband. Uh, the word subjection, it says this two times here in this passage, verse 1 and verse 5. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. And then in verse 5, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trust in God adorn themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Now the word subjection here means to put under, to submit oneself unto. It is a voluntary, willful choice. And of course, in your passage, we're, we're addressing here is talking about wives submitting to husbands, but this is true of, of us to the Lord as well, children to parents. We're to voluntarily submit ourselves under their authority. If it's not voluntary, it's not submission. It's not subjection. You know, God has order, established order for society, for the home, for the church, and so on, for government. Genesis 3.16, he says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. In 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in church. In the church. Ephesians 5, 22-24 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In Colossians three eighteen, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, for I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So we see here that the wife is to be in subjection to her husband and, 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 and to follow his leadership. And they are also to be in subjection and to teach. Uh, Titus 2, 4 and 5 says, That it may teach young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, there you have the submission, that the word of God be not blasphemed. In other words, so the word of God is not reviled, reproached, or, or you bring uh, defamation to the, to, the, to the cause of Christ. And so the, we see this, this wife is to be in subjection to her own husbands. I want you to notice, secondly, the practice of subjection. If you notice in verses 2 through 6, Verses 2 through 6, and sorry my voice is some, for some reason raspy this morning. In verses 2 through 6, the Bible says this, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, and of wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So, we see here that the practice, and one of the several things about this practice, it talks about a chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, the word coupled means of the same sort, or together, or equal. So there needs to be chasteness and fear. Now, the word chaste means pure, has the idea of purity, pure from fault. Um, 
not being, not being, you know, not being, having fault. Uh, the word uh, uh, fear, of course, means to to uh, reverence or uh, uh, to be to be to show respect or deference. Uh, you know, uh, you know, some faults of women, you might say, would be okay, nagging. You know. The Bible talks about a nagging wife. Proverbs 19, 13 says, A foolish son is the calamity of his father. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Proverbs 27, 15 says, A continual dropping a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. You know, contentious means to be tending to argument, quarrelsome. You know, are there any women in the Bible that fit this description? Well, Revelation 2, 20 tells us about one, Jezebel. It says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, with calls herself a prophet, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. But you know, there's another one I thought about that we don't often think of. Peninnah. Peninnah. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says that she provoked Hannah. She provoked her sore. I mean, she picked at her. You know, of course, you had a, you had a home here with two wives, and that's never a good thing, but, but uh, and, and, you know, it's often cause for contention, but she provoked her sore, the Bible says. She was contentious. And so, but, but a wife is to be with, you know, the Bible says here, chaste is pure from every fault. Um, also, coupled with fear, to be, it means to be, uh, you know, be put in fear or to reverence or to show respect to. Uh, you know, an, an unsubmissive wife is in trouble with the Lord. She's not submissive with the Lord either. To, do, to show disrespect to your husband is to invite the chastening hand of God. You know, I remember years ago, I was... Uh, there was a lady whose husband was an alcoholic and uh, had a missionary come to our church. And so I took this missionary to visit this lady and visit her husband. Tried to talk to her husband. I tried to talk to him many times, and he grew up in church and so on and so forth. But anyway, uh, this missionary, we sat down, and he started talking with this guy, and he said, uh, do you ever do anything wrong? He said to the man, you know, do you ever do anything wrong? And the wife said, she was setting chair over here to the right. She said, you mean who, him? Just like that. And that man got up out of his chair and walked to the basement. And the missionary got up out of his chair and walked out the door. And I followed him. And he got in the car and I got in the driver's seat. And he said, that woman just sent that man to hell. She mocked him. She made fun of him in front of a stranger. She belittled him. She showed him disrespect. A wife, the winning conversation here is a wife fears or respects her husband. She doesn't do anything to disrespect him. So, 
We see here this chaste conversation coupled with fear. We see her adorning, verses 3 and 4. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair or of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Let me just stop here and say, you know, do, you know, you can comb your hair and you can, you know, put on a few things and you can, you know, fix yourself up. You don't have to look like a, you know, someone from, um, you know, that's not put together. Uh, But anyway, but that's not to be the attraction. That's not to be the focal point. No. It says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, or you might say the hidden, the word man here is used in a generic sense. The hidden woman of the heart, we could say, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So it is not, we're not talking about something that's external, uh, like a fancy hair door or glittering jewelry or excessive paint, uh, you know, expensive clothing or all that kind of stuff. You know, Proverbs eleven twenty two says, As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman without discretion. You know, I've known some pretty girls that not very many people liked. Because they were all show. Most people didn't like them. No, it says discretion, good taste, behavior, good judgment. It is an ornament of a heart, a meek and quiet spirit. The word meek means a mildness of disposition, a gentleness of spirit. Uh, somebody has said, quote, meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good, therefore without disputing or resisting. Gentleness or meekness is the off- opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trusting God's goodness and control over the situation, the general person is not occupied with self at all. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, not the human will. So meekness demonstrates trust in God. And so you know, this, 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 this person is supposed to have a, a meek and quiet spirit. It can be a great ministry asset to her family and to all that know her. This is a, this is a picture of one that, that's under control that's disciplined to do right, that has a quiet spirit. That quiet spirit there, Strong's describes it this way, properly keeping one's seat still, undisturbed, undisturbing. So it's one that's disciplined to do right under all circumstances. Even in difficult times. You know, Many of Hudson Taylor wrote concerning his mother as he left for China. Um, and you know, he, never, he didn't know if he'd ever see her again. Can you imagine mother sending your child away, your son away, not knowing if you'd ever see him again? And this is what he wrote. Thirty years ago, when I was leaving the shores of England for China, my beloved mother came to see me off from Liverpool. Never shall I forget that day, nor how she went with me into the little cabin that I was to be my home for nearly six long months. Of course, that's the the boat he used to travel to China in. With a mother's loving hand, she smoothed the little bed. She sat by my side and joined with me in the last hymn we would sing together before the long parting. We knelt down and she prayed the last mother's prayer I was to hear before starting to China. Then notice was given that we must separate. We said goodbye, 
never expecting to meet on earth again. She went on the shore, giving her her, her blessing. I stood alone on the deck. She followed the ship along as we moved toward the dock gates. As we passed through the gates and the separation really commenced, I shall never forget the cry of anguish wrung from that mother's heart. It went through me like a knife. I never knew so fully until then what, quote, God so loved the world meant, unquote. And I am quite sure that my precious mother learned more of the love of God to the perishing in that hour than in all her life before. But she, in her meek and quiet spirit, did right in sending him off to China. And so this is the, this is the, this is the practice of submission. Uh, it is a it is a an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God, a great price. Great price. You know, an angry spirit or a brawling woman can chase one away. Proverbs 21.9 says, It's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Proverbs 21.19, Better dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And so, so uh, this meek and quiet spirit uh, you know, is, is inside of God a great price. A good example of this is, is in Esther. Go to Esther chapter 7 for just a minute. Esther chapter 7. And uh, Esther was a woman that, that gave evidence of a meek and quiet spirit. You know, her people were uh, sought out to be destroyed by you know, Haman. And yet, uh, she did not become uh, contentious or angry or... Uh, uh, demanding in any way, and uh, and what she did was she entreated the king. If you look at chapter seven, verse one of Esther, it says, "So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen, and the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be formed, be performed even to the half of the kingdom." Then Esther the queen answered and said. If, notice, notice how she phrases this, if I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition. I mean, ladies, if your life is at stake, is this how you talk? Is this the kind of way you make a request? And my people at my request, for we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, to perish, but if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. So she, she in, a, in a meek and quiet spirit, she entreats the king for her life and for her people. She wasn't demanding. She wasn't demanding or loud or clamorous. No, she entreated this is the, the evidence of a meek and quiet spirit, which God says is in sight of God of great price. Great price. And we have a, you know, other models, another Bible model, role model of, of Sarah in verses 5 and 6. For the Bible says in verses 5 and 6, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, there's this meekness, they're trusting God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah bade Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. In other words, you then be like Sarah as long as you do have this kind of spirit, this kind of attitude. 
This kind of submission. You know, Sarah submitted to Abraham. She called him Lord. It was a title of respect and reverence. Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in so particular love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. The word reverence there means to venerate, to treat with deference, or to reverent obedience. And the Bible says that, tells us that when Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, he went out not knowing whether he went. He didn't have it all planned out. He just trusted God and trusted God to lead him, and she obeyed him. She followed him. When Abraham took Isaac to offer him upon the altar, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't try to contradict him. She trusted God as well. See, the idea of reverence here is, a good example of this is in Mark chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says that Herod feared John. Now, Herod was the king. Of course, it was Herod then that put John to death later on. But the Bible says that Herod feared John. He had a great respect for him. And, and, and it says this, knowing he was a just man and a holy and observed him, when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. In other words, he gave special treatment to John. If it had been somebody else uh, uh, pronouncing the things that John did, Herod probably wouldn't have tolerated it. But he feared John. He gave deference to John. And this is what Sarah did with Abraham. And this is a, this is a you know, life characterized by submission that, to her husband, to his leadership. It's a winning conversation. This is a woman whose husband will rise up and call her blessed, and her, hus- and her children also, will, her husband prays with her, and her children also will call her blessed. You know, feminism has destroyed the respect and honor of women. But, some, but Sarah, by submitting to her husband, she also directed her son to submit to the Lord. She's an example of submission. You mothers, as you submit to your husband... You're instructing your children to submit to their heavenly father. And so, a wife with a winning conversation, a meek and quiet spirit, can do much to encourage children to submit to the Lord, to walk with him. You know, G. Campbell Morgan was a great expositor of the Bible in the last century again. And there were four preachers in his family. One day at a family reunion, someone asked, who's the greatest preacher in the family, in the Morgan family? And one of the sons looked at his father and said, I believe mother is. Now, I'm sure she wasn't preachy. But with her spirit of meekness, she taught her children. She taught her children. She was a light, 
a witness for the Lord to her children in teaching them and training them. You know, Titus, again, Titus chapter 2, I, I read this portion of Scripture a little bit ago, but I want to read it again. Titus chapter 2, it says in verse 4, that they may teach young women to be sober, love their husbands, to love their children. So ladies, if you want to be a, an effective witness to your children, to the world, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Have a meek and quiet spirit, which is in sight of God of great price. Submit to your husband. Be that example for your children to follow. Be a light to their children. Years ago, there's told of a banker a guy that worked in a bank in Dallas, Texas. And he was not doing well, and they thought he had tuberculosis. But it was determined that he did not have tuberculosis. He was just very severely fatigued. And so the bank president asked the board permission to give him a year's paid vacation, which they agreed to. So the bank president said to him one day, Fred, here's the key to a cabin in Maine, on the lake, on a lake. Take your wife and your daughter Doris and spend a year resting up. And so they went to Maine, to the cabin on the lake, and rested and had a wonderful time. Toward the end of the summer, falls coming on, the daughter and Fred and his daughter decided they were going to take one last fishing trip out on the lake. So they packed food and rode out into the lake, put down anchors, began to fish. Sun was warm in the afternoon, they took a nap. When they got awake, and he was reading a book, and all of a sudden there was drops of water, and he looked up, and the clouds are starting to come in. And so he begins to pack up everything in the boat, put everything away. And, and while he's doing that, the storm is brewing. And, and, and so they lift anchor, and, and it gets dark, and, and he begins to row. But, but he, he, he can't seem to make way, and he, he can't see the, the cabin anymore. He can't see which way to go, and he's rowing hard. And, and, uh, and he calls out to his daughter, Doris, do you see the shore? And she said, no, Daddy, are we lost? He said, no. We could spend the night out here and we'll be okay. Although he knew that wasn't true. But all of a sudden she said, Daddy, I see a light over your shoulder. And he said, steer me to the light. And so she steered him to the light. And pretty soon they came up on shore. And he took, picked up his daughter and ran into the house. And, 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 nearly collapsed on the floor, and, and his wife said, Fred, I was really concerned about you. And Doris said, Mother, we just simply followed your light. Mothers, if your children follow your light, are you being a light to them? You know, we need mothers 
whose children will rise up and call them blessed. Mothers who will love their husbands and love their children and teach them and train them by their example of a meek and quiet spirit, a submissive spirit, that their children might submit to God. One of the great generals of our country, Doug, Douglas MacArthur, said this, quote, It was my sainted mother who taught me a devotion to God and a love of country, which have ever sustained me in many lonely and bitter moments of decision in distant lands. To her I yield anew a son's reverent thanks for her guidance on a path of duty as God gave me light to see that duty, unquote. Mothers, may you let your light shine by your winning conversation.